Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Excuses as to why we couldn't meet those expectations, okay? Now we're going to go through a couple more examples, all right? So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Now Jesus is walking through... And people are coming up to him, and they're asking him questions, and they're saying, uh, they're saying various things. Oops, sorry, hold on one second here. All right. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21. Another of his disciples said, Lord, okay, because Jesus was talking about uh, what you must do to follow him. So actually, let me, yeah, we'll do that. We'll start there. Matthew 8, 21. But Jesus, or excuse me, another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Because they had asked Jesus, what must we do to be saved? What must we do to have a place in the kingdom? What must we do to follow you and to be your disciples? And um, this, the, Jesus told them what they have to do. And this guy basically said, well, hey, let me return home first and, and take care of my family and do this for my family and do that for my family. And Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Now, that sounds harsh. So this guy is basically saying, there's some family business I have to go take care of. His father had passed away. He needs to go bury his father. So why wouldn't Jesus just say, okay, you know, you go take care of your father? That sounds harsh, but what Jesus, the point Jesus is making here is that the time to follow him is now. Because you will never, I can guarantee you, because I have seen it happen, you will never run out of excuses not to follow Jesus. You will never run out of excuses. Never. Jesus calls us to follow after him. Jesus calls us to have a relationship with him. Jesus calls us to die to our old selves, our old selves, to put our old selves away, to put away that old man of the past and to follow after him now. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So when this guy says, Jesus, hold tight, stay right here, I'm going to go take care of some family obligations. Jesus is moving forward. The kingdom of God is moving forward. If we are always making excuses and always putting other things ahead of the kingdom, other things ahead of our relationship with Jesus, we're not going to go anywhere. We will continue to find things to put ahead of Jesus. Does that make sense? We will continue to find family things that we have to take care of first, other things that we have to take care of first. And what Jesus is saying, he's not being harsh Jesus isn't telling us, hey, go take, you know, you can't go take care of your family. He's not saying that. He's making a point here in this situation that's saying, keep the main thing the main thing. Our relationship with Jesus has got to be the main priority in our lives. We have got to fil filter every other priority through that one thing of a relationship with Jesus, following Jesus. Does that make sense? Another example, Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19, this is a little bit longer, Johnny starting in verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, Why ask me about this? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And this gentleman says, Which ones? And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely or lie about others. 
honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus gives him a handful of commandments from the law, from the law of Moses. These are the commandments that you have to follow to the letter, never ever messing up for your entire life. That's how you inherit the kingdom of God. Can anybody raise your hand if you have kept every single one of those 100% for your entire life? There is not one single person. I know you're joking around. There's not one single person in here. And as I look around, Kip's probably the closest. I'm joking. Not one single person that it could ever possibly meet these standards. Ever. Now I want you to see this guy's response. You ready? Verse 20. I have obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? So he's basically saying, I'm already perfect. Is there something else I need to do? First of all, we know that's not the case. Now, Jesus, the next part of what Jesus says, he kind of catches the guy, okay? Because Jesus knows he has not kept all of these commandments with any type of God's standard whatsoever, period. So what does Jesus say? Jesus told him in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now, how many of you think Jesus calls every, all of us to sell everything we have, give it to the poor, and go serve him? Some of us may have that calling. Some of us may have that calling. I've, I literally know somebody in Champaign who sold everything she owned to start a ministry for building homes for homeless people. She literally became homeless to help the homeless. It was the most incredible story I think I've ever heard. Absolutely incredible. She was living homeless. She was living at Restoration Urban Ministries um, because she had literally sold everything to help the homeless. It's absolutely incredible. But Jesus didn't call all of us to do that. Do you see what he's doing here? He's calling this guy out. He's saying, okay, you say you're perfect. Let me show you an area in your life where you are so not perfect. When the young man heard this, this is verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. What was his excuse? <clears throat> I can't follow you right now. I've got a whole lot of stuff that I like more. A whole lot of stuff that has my heart that I'm not willing to part with. So I can't follow you right now. Do you see the same guy said, I've kept all the commandments from my youth. All of them. And yet he coveted his material possessions more than a relationship with Jesus. So Jesus caught him right there in that simple question, that simple command, go and sell everything and follow me. The guy couldn't do it. He walked away upset because he made an excuse in his heart that he couldn't follow Jesus because he was too concerned about his stuff. He was more worried about his stuff. I'm going to give you one more example. Matthew 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go, wherever you go. And Jesus says, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, we don't see this guy walking away or anything. This is kind of where this one ends, and it goes into the next, the, the next gentleman that we had already talked about. But what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, count the cost. Because if you follow me, it's going to cost you something. In this particular case, he talked about how it costs him comfort, comfortable living, comfortable friendships, comfortable uh, a, a, a place to be, a place to call home. Jesus didn't really have a home because what he was tasked to do. 
So Jesus said, be careful because you have to, when you want to follow me, you've got to count the cost because I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have a place to call home, and that's going to be you too if you want to follow after me. How many people have heard the excuse or how many people have, how many of you have made that excuse? I'm not going to do this for God right now because I'm comfortable where I'm at. God calls us to go further. God calls us to step out onto that water, to follow after him. God calls us to do some things that are going to take us outside of our comfort zone. And what do we say so many times? Maybe later, because right now I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable where I'm at in life. I'm comfortable where I'm at with my friends. I'm comfortable where I am with whatever. I mean, you name it. We've all made these kinds of excuses before, but God calls us to go further. God calls us to go deeper. What excuses have you made? What excuses have you made? Just this week, maybe even just today, what excuses have you made? What excuses have you made because you didn't read your Bible? Oh, I didn't read my Bible today because I got up late and I'll do, I'll do it later. Excuse. What excuses have you made for not being consistent and regular in coming to church? Oh, man, I, I've got so much homework. I just can't make it to church tonight. Oh, it's not a big deal. Um, excuse, 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 excuse. God calls us to a deeper relationship with him. A deeper relationship with him. And to have that relationship and we've talked about this, we talk about it all the time, the benefits of having that relationship with Jesus Christ are over and above salvation alone. Having a relationship with Jesus, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior will save your soul because without that, you are headed to straight to hell. And that sounds terrible. And if anybody wants to ask me about that, I am happy to have that conversation with you. But we were born into sin and we are separated from God. From the day we are conceived, we are separated from God and we need to accept that free gift of salvation into our lives and receive it, receive that free gift that God gave us through his son Jesus to be saved. When you do that, you gain so much more than just a relationship with God. You gain his promises, you gain his love, you gain his protection, and I mean his love as in his love isn't he's going to shower his love on you because now you're his kids, now you're his children. Now the Bible says we are heirs to his promise. A whole new world opens up when you accept the gift of salvation that Jesus has given us. A whole new world opens up. However, we have a part to play in that. Every relationship is a two-way street. There's give and take. Right, Kayla? Every relationship. Thank you. No, that's all right. All three Kaylas put their heads up. That's perfect. I love it. Every single relationship, I don't care if it's just a friend. I don't care if it's your parents. I don't care if it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, a future spouse, every single relationship that you have in your life is a two-way street. There's no such thing as just a one-person relationship where one person does everything for that relationship. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Holly, let me ask you. What's going to happen in a relationship where one person does all the work to maintain the relationship, one person does all the communicating, one person does all the, the serving and loving and giving? What, what happens in that relationship? What's going to happen to it? It's going to fail, right? It's going to fall apart because one person doesn't care. One person does not put in the effort, right? Raise your hand in here if you have a best friend and you talk at least every day. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of us in here. Okay, or a friend that you talk to every day at school or even a cousin or a family member that you're very close with so you talk a, a whole lot. 
What's required in those relationships? Is there one person always make Danny, go ahead. Yeah, oh my gosh, very good. Trust. Trust is crucial in a relationship. And do you gain trust just by doing nothing? No, you work at it. You give them opportunities to trust you, and you trust them, and there's a reciprocal trust. There's, there's so much that needs to be done to maintain, to build and grow a relationship. When we become Christians, when we become true children of God by receiving the free gift of salvation, our relationship with God is restored and repaired. Now it's up to us to build on that relationship. Does that make sense? No excuses, none of that. No excuses will be, will be, will be tolerated, okay? When we get to heaven and God says, why didn't you do this for me? I put you in the perfect position to do this, to speak to this friend, to be a part of this church family, to bring your friends into that church family because there was something in that church family that they needed, something I had for them. Why didn't you do it? And if you say, God, because I had so much homework in that season of my life in high school and in college, I just couldn't do it. Is God going to say, that's okay, Kayla. I know you had a lot of homework, so don't worry about your friend. No, there will be no excuses. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure we will be capable of giving excuses. When we stand before a holy God, we are going to be, we are just going to be beside ourselves with everything that we know we did in our lives that we shouldn't have done, everything we know we should have done that we didn't do, I mean regret, okay? But God's going to wipe away those tears. But I'm saying there's no excuses. There will be no excuses accepted in the kingdom. God wants us to take action and put action to our faith. We put our faith and trust in God, and he calls us to do this. He calls us to do this. He calls us to do this. Sharing, uh, sharing our faith, sharing the gospel with our friends, being committed to a church family and coming to church. Uh, God calls us to, to seek after him, to grow in our relationship with him, to read our Bibles, to worship him, to pray, have a conversation, regular ongoing conversation with him every single day. These are the things that we need to do. And these are the things that we have to do to maintain that relationship. And there's no excuses for not doing it, okay? There's, there is forgiveness when we mess up, when we make mistakes. Let's own it. Let's say, God, I, I, I botched it. I messed up. Will you forgive me? And God says, yes, I will. I love you. Let's do better. Let's move on. Let's grow from this. Let's learn from this. Don't make excuses. Learn from it and grow from it. I'm going to go through a couple of things here real quick. Johnny, don't worry about putting these up there. I'm just going to rapid fire through them. Seriously? Who is it? Jeremy, can you go? As long as they don't look like they're violent. Oh, Justin, okay. Did he really go all the way down? Yell at him. That's hilarious. We've never had so many people coming in late. Oh, I thought Justin wasn't in football. Oh, nice. All right. Well, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Better late than never. Perfect. All right, I'm going to share some rapid-fire scriptures with you real quick, so I want you to listen quickly. God commands us to work hard so that you can present... Oh, sorry, this is 2 Timothy 2.15. Johnny, you don't have to throw it up there. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains... The word of truth. We cannot explain the word of truth if we don't know the word of truth. If we're not spending time in the word of God, we will not understand it to be able to share it with our friends. Does that make sense? God is saying, work hard, show yourself to be a good worker, and learn my word so that you can share my word. Okay? So, 
What excuse is God going to accept for us not reading our Bibles? He's not going to accept an excuse because he's told us to be in his word, to dig into his word and grow in him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We are to be thankful. And there are other, uh, uh, other Bible verses that say pray without ceasing. Thankfulness and praise and uh, uh, regular conversation and prayer between us and God. We say, God, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't talked to you in a long time. It's because I've had this going on and this going on and this going on. And you probably noticed I got a new girlfriend and she's been taking a lot of my time. She's kind of high maintenance, if you know what I'm talking about. Is God going to accept that as an excuse? Absolutely not. God's going to say, knock it off, you knucklehead. Get back, into, like, get back into that relationship. Because, let me ask you this. All of this boils down to our relationship with God, Right? When did that first excuse come into play? When did Adam make that first excuse? When his relationship with God was broken. When Adam's relationship with God was broken because of sin, we see the first excuse. So now that our relationship with God has been mended because of Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice, because he took our guilt and sin away, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to excuses and blame shifting, and trying to get out of, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing, what we know we're supposed to be doing, we say, God, I am so sorry I missed it. There is no excuse for the way I've acted. There is no excuse for what I've done. Father, forgive me. And of course God forgives you because he loves you. You know, when my kids do something wrong, I may be disappointed, I may be upset, but there is forgiveness because I love them and I know they're growing. God knows that we are growing. God knows that we're going to stumble and make mistakes along the way. The important thing is to own up to them, confess them, grow from it, and move on. Because there are some things that God has called us to do, things that we need to do for the kingdom of God. He wants to work in us and through us for his purposes. Hebrews 10.5. Hebrews 10.5 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, to encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. This verse is commonly used to talk about don't neglect coming together with your church family. Don't neglect coming to church. Yes, it's a Wednesday night. Yes, we're only here for about an hour or so. But there's some awesome things that happen when we come together as a church family and sit under the Word of God, worship together, hang out together, fellowship together. On Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, this is where it's at. This is where we get equipped. This is where we encourage one another. This is where we sharpen each other. This is where we get into God's Word over and above your own personal individual time with God's word, in God's Word. This is where we come together. And the Bible says in Hebrews, don't neglect the coming together, the gathering together of one another, as some people are doing. Because today's day and age is so important for us to get together and encourage one another and grow in our relationship, not only together, but in Christ together as a family, okay? Paul goes so far as to compare this family right here, all of you who are believers and everybody in church and every Christian, as the body of Christ. And he actually says... Every part of the body is important. Every part of the body is important. Jeremy, there are things that God has put in you, talents and gifts, skills and abilities, that I have, wouldn't have the first clue about. There's things that he has put inside you that he has only put inside you. You serve a specific purpose in the kingdom of God. He has given me talents, gifts, skills and abilities that he has not given to you guys for a purpose, for a reason. We all come together, grow together, we all serve together 
to grow the kingdom of God, to, to love others and to bring them into the kingdom. Does that make sense? We all work together and serve together. So God has called us to make sure we come together and gather together. And you say, God, I know you say don't neglect the gathering together of my brothers and sisters in Christ, but you don't understand. There's some drama going on with me and this other kid in youth group, and I'm just, I just can't be at church tonight. I just can't be doing this drama thing. Is God going to accept that as an excuse? No. God has called you to be here. God has called you to be in this church family. If there's drama going on, there's ways we can deal with that. We can talk it out. We can discuss it. Worst case scenario, you sit on opposite sides of the youth room for the time. You know what I mean? Until things get things work over, get solved, or what have you. All right? Not too long ago, there was an issue where there's a little bit of drama. There always seems to be drama. It's just, it's just the way life goes. It's just life. But there always seems to be, which ironically, as a real quick aside, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series, and it's about dealing with emotional things, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So one of the first ones talks about drama. Just, you know, thought I'd throw that out there. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I think it'd be really great uh, to bring friends into, because I think it's something we really, uh, it's really good to share and go through together. Anyway, anyway, uh, there's always going to be drama, but not too long ago, we had a little bit of an issue with some drama. We got the two individuals together, sat down, had a, ch as, as a matter of fact, in this particular instance, I didn't even have to get involved with it. They were mature enough to get together, talk it out, talk it over, shake hands, and, and it was done. I was, I'm telling you what, I'm not even going to say what was going on or who it was or anything, or even when it was. I was super, super impressed with how they dealt with it and how they handled it maturely. There have been times when I've had to kind of be mediator and sit in, or one of my other leaders had to be mediator and sit in, and you talk it out and you deal with it, whatever. But not coming to church because there, maybe there's somebody that there's some drama going on. Is that an excuse God's going to accept? Absolutely not. I have seen too many people because of drama or because of whatever, maybe they didn't like the music or the lights or who knows what, jump from church to church to church to church to church. You can jump from church to church to church to church to church for your entire life. Will you ever find a perfect church? Never. Never will you find a perfect church because if you convince yourself, if you make the excuse that I can't stay at this church because of this, that, or the other thing, there will forever be this, that, or the other thing that will make you want to change churches again and again and again. And eventually, you will either give up looking altogether and you will completely distance yourself from the church body, which is not good for you, spiritually speaking. You have got to be connected up with a church body, a body of believers who loves you and cares about you. And I'm, let me say this, concerning that, concerning how important it is for the church, for us as a family to get together, to, be, to, to, to serve together, to live life together, to grow together. Spoke to a young man the other day on the phone. He uh, <clears throat> used to be part of our youth group years ago, uh, has since moved out of the state. He and his wife moved out of the state, and they've been dealing with some stuff. And so I asked him, they've lived, uh, they lived out of state probably almost two years now, year and a half, two years. And every time I talk to him, I say, hey, buddy, have you found a church yet? Have you and your wife found a church yet? No, no, we haven't found a church. She's not really, she's not really about church right now. She's not really wanting to go. Excuse. Yeah, she says this, that. We, and he and I had a good conversation. She just has a laundry list of excuses why she can't be part of a church or go to church. Uh, and so that was his excuse because she didn't want to go. That was his excuse. Now, is God going to accept that excuse? No, because it's up to us to be hooked up and part of a church family. I can more about that later. But 
it is so important for us to have a church family that can encourage us, that can help us in times of trouble, in times of need. They've got nobody. She's got a few family members that are over there where they're at, and they have run up on some hard times since they left Illinois. He'll call me up, and he'll kind of vent to me, and he'll kind of let me know what's going on. I said, buddy, have you, I'm, man, I'll pray with you. I'm here for you. I love you. I will give you all the advice in the world, but I am six hours away. There's literally, outside of prayer, nothing I can do to help out. I mean, I can't even be face-to-face with him to give him a hug or buy him lunch or hang out. You know what I mean? Just for that one-on-one time. I can't. We're six hours away. But if he had a church, if he had a church family, people that he was growing with and developing relationships with and talking to and getting to know them and letting them get to know him, he would have a group of people who cared about him, who knew him, to, to, to hang with him, to have his back. Does that make sense? We are not meant to live life alone. We are not meant to walk out our faith alone because it is next to impossible to do so. It would be so hard for you to walk out your faith all by yourself. That's not what God desires for you to do. That's why he's placed you inside of a church family. That's why he has placed you at Living Word. We are not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect church because church is made up of imperfect people. Everybody going to church is people who are working on stuff in their own lives and growing and trying to do right by God and trying to serve and trying to bless others and raise their families and go to work and go to school and everything that you're trying to do. You're trying to live life. You're trying to, to, to be a child of God. You're trying to grow in your relationship with God and everybody else is too and nobody's perfect. So you'll never find a perfect church. But there is a perfect head of the church and that is Jesus Christ. When we strive to follow him without making excuses, that is when we begin to see our trajectory change in life. That's when we begin to see the things in our lives come together. and We begin to see God answering prayers. We begin to see God working in our lives and doing things for us because no longer are we making excuses. We're not blaming other people for anything. We're, we are just, we are moving forward with God. And that's his desire for us. No more excuses. No more excuses about why you can't worship during church. No more excuses about why you can't be at church. No more excuses about why you can't read your Bible or praise or share your faith or talk to your friends and invite them to church. There are, a, there are unlimited number of things that God has called us to do, each and every one of us and together as a church. The time for excuses is gone. It's done. There's no more excuse. It's time for us to step up in our own lives and do what God has called us to do. Can we do that? Starting tonight, no more excuses. Starting tonight, no more excuses. No more drama, no more worrying about he said, she said, none of that stuff to keep you from coming to church or keep you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. Don't worry about what kids at school say about you. Don't worry about what kids at work say about you. Don't worry about what your family says about you. Our goal is to keep the main thing the main thing. Everything else filters around that. Everything else in our life filters around that. And when we keep our priorities straight and we don't make excuses, God can do some amazing things in our life. Everybody stand up. Praise the worship team. You guys can come on up.